Dear listener, welcome to your favorite New Life program. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Fred Bill Otini is on standby with the health segment today. He will talk about worry. Thereafter, Brother Ian Mosel will be joining us during the Bible segment to talk about to be born again. But first, let us listen to Koyalel Choir with the song Dunia. Welcome back, dear listener. It's time for the health segment with Fred Bill Otieno. Be blessed. 
You will of course side with me that for a normal person, worry is an inevitable component in one's emotion. I would like to call it a special type of fear, which people often experience and do. Once the condition strikes a certain part of the brain called the cerebral cortex, it is obvious that, due to human weakness, one is bound to make fear a complex one. This is by adding one's anticipation, memory, imagination, or more so emotion to the fear having been observed. I would like to make it clear to you that worry is unfriendly and viewed unfavorable due to the consequences it comes with. The situation can become even worse. Since the condition enters a notice as one can't see it under normal circumstances. Having such freedom, it then roams all over one's mind, affecting whatever it comes in contact with as an individual gets mixed up and starts messing up with things. Once it enters, worry brings with it many negative possibilities in life. This reduces your enjoyment with friends and the family. It is also bound to diminish your achievements and the good physical being. Such a situation happens to one because of living in fear, often wondering on what may happen. A state that actually proves it right that it is possible to attract fear simply by fearing. It is good to be noted that when you worry too much, then you are bound to suffer. Thus, listener, have it right that one's hard work, making humor, and the willingness to laugh and other such efforts are bound to get frustrated by worry. And that having peace of mind is greatly compromised by worry, just as simple as the word sounds. Listener, worry is common and quite amazing. As an individual, you may consider going well in life, also worrying excessively on occasion. Worry takes many forms, though it mostly stems from an overwhelming sense of being prone and powerless to a bad situation. It may accompany simple shyness, depression, anxiety, or stress. To many people, worry roots from panic. As a person may be wondering of what may be happening around him to make him feel that bad or disadvantaged. Such a thought is likely to increase the person's vulnerability to worry. You have at times found yourself being unable to relax, despite various efforts to set things right for you. Yes, you are then in such a time suffering from a kind of brain burn. This comes as a result of a continuous production of adrenaline hormone in the body system under high pressure. It is true that someone can be born with some worry. Such a person has a higher nervous system response, which may correspond to his rise in the blood pressure, the pulse rate, and also his respiratory rate. One can be observed being less sensitive to the brain's natural stress modulators than other people. This brain activation listener is caused by the neurotransmitter referred to as the gamma-aminobutyric acid, GABA. And being with a good supply or responsive to the neurotransmitter GABA, you are therefore a one naturally cool and calm individual. But on the contrast, some different individuals are prone to anxiety and negative thinking. In a certain study, 
it is revealed that a highly aroused child is bound to become a tense, shy, and such a worried adult in life. It is quite possible that one may blame a worried person for the situation. But listen, think of it this way, that most of the warriors do it out of broken trust and loss of faith. And this can only be revealed when such an individual share with one what he really feels in his heart. Most of the worries actually root from the reality of today's world, what we experience. Certain situations are viewed to be such a shaming that a worried person may even prefer not talking about them. With this, worry then spreads on finding such a conducive place and becomes a much more bigger ordeal than can cost us more. Listener, you may have at one time undergone panic. This can of course make you mess up with nearly everything you deal with in life. Worry being what it is equally fuels panic, which is one of the unhealthy experiences that one may face in life. Lots of waves of fear and becoming desperate to be free that are all observed in panic have a direct link with worry. Others may include sweating, shaking of the body, and even under severe attacks, an individual may collapse. A victim under this severe ordeal can find it difficult to even know how it happens when an attack is about to occur. With this, a condition referred to as agoraphobia is actually what one will be undergoing. It is a panic disorder, which leaves one with intense fear and tends to avoid places or situations in which escape may be difficult on imagining that the disorder may occur. Panic disorder from worry has been seen through the fear of public speaking or being the center of attention. It can also show itself as one feeling uncomfortable while socializing with others. A social phobia indeed. But listen, worry does quite a lot of harm, yet it can be controlled. It is thus quite important that you take a look at how we can contain worry in case it strikes. And for much more information, join me next time when I'll bring you the different way to manage and control worry. It has been me, Fred Billy Ocheno. Welcome back, dear listener, and I hope they're enjoying the program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. For your views, comments, or questions about the show, write to the producer, Adventist Hall Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or drop an email at awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now have an item from Kualel Choir entitled, Mashaidi.
It is time for the Bible segment. Join me as I invite Brother Ian Mose. Welcome, Brother. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to our study today. The topic of our study is to be born again. I am a presenter, Ian Muse. Welcome. The Bible says, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Obedience is truly one of the spiritual requirements for entrance into the kingdom. John declared that there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Revelations chapter 21 verse 27. God does not only accept the atoning sacrifice of his son as a total satisfaction of the universal death sentence against every member of the fallen race. He imputes to each one who chooses to accept it the credit for living a life just as holy as Jesus lived. In other words, they are not only declared not guilty, 
they are declared to be just as righteous as the sinless Savior who lived here in the flesh for 33 years without committing a single sin. It is in this amazing manner that all degrees of transgression are cancelled, and whosoever will may stand without condemnation before God. His faith alone has opened a door to a new standing in relation to God. It is called justification, and it provides forgiveness for every wrongdoing of the past that has been repented of, confessed, and forsaken. And even though it can be said that the death of Jesus, in one sense, made a cooperate reconciliation of all men to God, it is only through personal acceptance of the sacrifice that anyone can experience justification by faith. Does the totality of salvation then consist of a mere accounting on the part of God? Is our part only to believe that God does everything for us and then wait for him to waft us on rose-tinted clouds into the kingdom of heaven? Indeed not. So far, we have described that part of righteousness by faith that flows from outside ourselves. It is called justification and it is based wholly upon the objective acts of God on our behalf. It is true that we cannot work for this imputed credit for being righteous. We can only accept the atoning merits of the blood of Jesus, which bears witness that somebody else paid the penalty for our sins. By exercising faith in this divine substitute who took our place in death, we acquire a certain standing of righteousness before God. But it is most necessary that we understand that God does not ascribe some legal fiction to us by calling us righteous when we really are not. Righteousness by faith includes more than just a standing or accounting. God not only imputes righteousness to us through justification to take care of our past sins, but he imparts righteousness to us through sanctification to keep us from future sins. In other words, there is a state of righteousness before God as well as a standing of being righteous. We'll have more to say about these two aspects of righteousness by faith as we move into the next chapter. Keep in mind, though, that whether imputed or imparted, all true righteousness originates with God and resides in us only as long as Christ abides in us through faith. That moment of acceptance not only brings an objective change of standing before God, but it also produces a fantastic subjective transformation in the heart and mind of the believer. Jesus referred to this dramatic experience as being born of the Spirit. The necessity of it was revealed in the urgent words of the Master to Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 3 There is no possible way to analyze or diagnose the miraculous and often instantaneous change that accompanies this act of faith. The Apostle John seems to express it as simply as it can be communicated. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on this name. John chapter 1 verse 12 But even though we can't understand the misery, we can observe the results of it very clearly. Paul described it in these words. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 Like a gentle brush of the invisible wind, God's Holy Spirit enters the life to replace the surrendered fleshy things with the exact opposite. Although the inherent fallen nature is not removed by the new birth, the carnal mind is replaced with a spiritual mind, that has the power to subdue all the desires and passions that might arise from the fallen nature. It is this progressive work of conquering self and constantly submitting the will of Christ 
which leads us to the third giant step on our heavenly pilgrimage. We call it sanctification. The word loving distinguishes those acts of obedience from the legalistic forced conformity of those who might be trying to earn salvation by mere law-keeping. Some liberal-minded religionists equate obedience and legalism. They ignore the difference between heart service and head service. One is the very finest demonstration of true religion and the other shows forth the most dangerous counterfeit. Someone has just suggested that millions will miss heaven by just 18 inches, the distance from the head to the heart. Complying with God's law in order to fulfill a legal requirement for salvation is the head approach. But true heart obedience is the spontaneous outflow of a personal love relationship with Christ. When we talk about sanctification here, we are referring solely to the heart approach. Justification imputes the perfect victory of Jesus to cover our past sins. But sanctification imparts the victorious power of Jesus to preserve us from committing further sin. We can't have one without the other. Anyone who exercises the true faith is justified. All who are truly justified are converted or turned into a new creation, and all who have experienced a new birth will walk in obedience out of love. The cause effect is instantaneous and inseparable. There is no justification without sanctification and no sanctification without justification. Nevertheless, it is very important to keep in mind that justification, as the very first approach to God, is freely bestowed and is not granted in reference to our good works. This biblical principle requires that the believer receive the gift of justification before sanctified obedience is possible. Then the conformity to the law is recognized as the result of the born-again connection with the Savior. Sin, of course, is the only thing that defiles in God's sight, and it is specifically excluded from entering the gates of paradise. Sin is defined in the Bible as transgression of the law. This means there will be no thieves, murderers, adulterers, etc. in heaven. Should it frighten us to learn that willful sin must be put away in order to be saved? Incidentally, we are not saying here that the good works of obedience are the grounds for our acceptance by Jesus, but they are the necessary accompaniment of a freely bestowed gift to all who believe. Listener, none who have accepted that gift will be discouraged by the requirement to stop deliberately transgressing the revealed will of God. Converted hearts are eager to please the one they love supremely. They delight to walk in obedience because God's law has been written into their hearts and minds. May we then delight to meditate upon his precepts. Be blessed. Amen. Thank you, listener, for your time. I was your presenter, Ian Musi. Dear listener, we have come to the end of our program. Thank you for keeping me company. For your views, comments, or questions about the show, write to the producer, Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, may our God be with you. I've been a presenter, Sambal Mangi.
sasa yaisha na wenye dhambi watachomwa watalia na kusanga meno wakioma waurumiwe dunia hii sasa yaisha na wenye dhambi watachomwa watalia na kusanga meno wakioma waurumiwe dunia hii sasa yaisha na wenye dhambi watachomwa watalia na kusanga meno wakioma waurumiwe Ali ya 
Ali shuka, ali shuka, tokaju.